You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Go Wild is a free social community created for and by hunters. This means that unlike mainstream social media, your trophy pictures won't be censored. They're encouraged. As you spend time on Go Wild, you will earn awesome rewards such as gift cards, free swag, and big discounts on brands like Garmin and Vortex. You will even earn $10 just for signing up. Visit DownloadGoWild.com and sign up today. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. This is the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast. Brought to you by Vortex Optics. What's up, everybody? Welcome to this hump day episode of the Nine Finger Chronicles. And today, I am joined by a fellow member of the Sportsman's Empire, Jeremy Dinsmore. Now, Jeremy is the host of the Antler Up podcast that you can find here on the Sportsman's Empire. And today, we're talking about his season. And his season is unique, has been unique in a way. And what I mean by that is, usually if someone hasn't been successful shooting a deer, you can kind of take a a, um, a backwards approach and say, hey, I did this wrong, I did this wrong, I wish I would have done this better, I wish I would have done this better. But there's just a lot of things that happened that he couldn't control. And, and as you're going to listen to this podcast, the main one is just deer not reading the script. I mean, they, they read the script to a point, but then they stop behind a tree. Or uh, a hot doe comes out and just pulls every buck with it, but then the bucks don't stop. Or, you know, public land problems, like other people just kind of being loud, bumping deer that you're trying to uh, get on and, and ruining a hunt. So a lot of stuff that you necessarily can't control. And so Jeremy talks a lot about that in this episode. And this is unique in a way because I feel like at 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 this point in the year, you know, so we're on the back end of the rut now, a lot of people start to get frustrated because they haven't found success success yet. Some of it is your fault and some of it's not your fault. And the most frustrating years are when you put yourself in the right position and it still doesn't go right. And uh, if you've been deer hunting long enough, you know exactly what I'm talking about. So that's what this episode is about. Now, today is Wednesday. That means tomorrow is Thanksgiving, and then we have Black Friday. So keep an eye out for Black Friday deals from some of the partners uh, here on the um, Nine Finger Chronicles, like Tethered Wasp, Hunt Stand, and Vortex. I know that they're going to be... I'm sure there's some discounts coming from some of those guys, but you're going to have to go to their social pages and and, uh, keep an eye out. But if you're looking for a saddle, you know, we're going to be doing a lot of Christmas shopping between now and, uh, you know, the next month. So if you know someone who is looking for a saddle, you got to go check out uh, Tethered, mostly because, you know, not only do they put out the real good products, but they have an information base behind the product which allows you to become more comfortable hunting uh shortens the learning curve out of that lots of people sharing lots of ideas tips tricks tactics on how to hunt from a saddle 
and that's uh, why Tethered has built this awesome community around their uh, around their product. And uh, so, you know, I enjoy. That's where I go to learn. I know a lot of bu- of my buddies who are saddle hunters, and I, I I reach out to them, and you can reach out to them as well through uh, some of their uh, their their community that they've created. So, Tethered Saddled Saddle Hunting Accessories Platforms Climbing Sticks, you name it, they have it. Go check out their website, Wasp Archery. Again, just a, um, a company that I really like, man. I've been using their their broadheads for over 14 years now, right? There was a year or two in there that I bounced around and, and tried something different, but I, I kept coming back to Wasp, specifically the Jackhammer and the Boss 4-Blade. Uh, so those are my two favorite heads that they make. Go check out wasparchery.com. Go find what you like. Start using it, become comfortable with it, and I'm telling you, you will not be disappointed. So uh, wasparchery.com, and I have a 20% discount code for you guys that I I want you to go uh, use, and that is NFC20, perfect stocking stuffer, NFC20. That's going to get you 20% off. And last but not least, no, we got two more hunt stand, right? Uh, this is another really good gift that you, you know, and for only for the amount of money that hunt stand costs a, a year, if you have a hunting buddy or if you have an uncle or a brother or a dad or even a wife or something that uh, is, is into hunting like you are. A gift, an awesome gift would be a membership to Hunt Stand. It's like 30 bucks a month, and or you can upgrade uh, and make it an even $100, I believe, for their uh, Whitetail Pro platform that they just they just introduced. Tons of great information on that. So go check out HuntStand.com for all the f- uh, functionality, and then buy it as a gift for uh, one of your one of your friends or family members. It's a it's a great gift idea. And then last but not least, Vortex Optics, title sponsor here on the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast. If you're looking for a pair of optics, look no further than Vortex. Binoculars, spotting scopes, range finders, rifle scopes, red dots. I have the, what is it here? I got it on the floor. The Crossfire HD 1400 is the new range finder that I picked up this year. It's badass, crystal clear very very exact and uh you know it's just one of those things where i am a huge range finder guy so i like to range and this year was no exception where i would just range and then i'd range and i'd range and and a lot of the time in the stand is just going through hypothetical scenarios where i'm ranging a, a tuff of grass where i'm ranging a tree or i'm ranging a trail or something like that so that when the deer comes by I know exactly how far everything is, and all I have to do is put my pin on them and pull the trigger. So, vortexoptics.com, go check them out. And that does it as far as the the partners of the Nine Finger Chronicles is concerned. Thank you guys very much. Please go out and support the companies that support these uh, that supports this podcast. Go to iTunes, leave a five star review, follow on Instagram, follow on uh, Facebook, and follow on Go Wild. And then that's it, man. So let's get into today's podcast with Jeremy Dinsmore of the Antler Up podcast. And uh, let's let's see how his season's going. Three, two, one. All right. On the phone with me today, uh, a brother of the Sportsman's Empire podcast network and the, the host of the Antler Up podcast, Jeremy Dinsmore. What's up, man? What's going on, Dan? Whew. I tell you what, uh, uh, I don't know, man. I don't. This has been a weird year, just kind of all around, like from a tree stand standpoint, uh, like a, a hunting standpoint. I mean, I, I feel like I've, I've just been chasing my tail at times, or things happened so fast, and then other things I wasn't able to enjoy, or the enjoyment came in a different way. I don't know. It just it's just different than normal. Dude, I agree a hundred percent with you on this one. Is it weird to say like I've had success without notching a tag? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's that's exactly how I feel and where I'm at currently as we sit here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and we're gonna get into all that here in a second. But you're a school teacher, right? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> as a as a like as an adult now, 
looking back on how big of a prick I was growing up, do you, like, do you ever, <laughs> do you ever have like kids that come through that are just, you just are like, ah, like, uh, I, I really good luck to that guy. Like, I, I hope he doesn't end up in prison. Oh my, a hundred percent. I mean, there's even, <laughs> I mean, here's the good news is, uh, with teaching phys ed, I love the opportunity when like I'm high school. So I get right. these kids and I used to, I was coaching for the last te- decade as well. So you get a chance to get to know kids and, uh, we'll play basketball or other activities and, you know, all the trash talking and, you know, it, it goes good. It's, it's like, man, okay, next time I'm going to, maybe you throw a pass the opposite way and see if I can clock you one. Yeah. Right. And just, uh, you know, but it's, and now it's good, man. They're for the most part, they're, they're really good kids. We're really lucky here in central PA with, with our school district. We got a bunch of good kids. That's awesome. That's awesome. So being a phys ed teacher, you get to witness like people doing physical activities, obviously. Right. So, um, we had this one kid, in our high school, uh, he was a year or two. I think he was two years older than me and he didn't go out for any sports at all, but he was a freak of nature. Like I, I remember sit like he was that back then you didn't have to participate in any type of PE if you didn't want to, I don't know why, but you mm-hmm. could, you could sit it out on, you could sit it out on the, on the bench if you wanted to. And while everybody else went and participated and there was this one kid, he was a shop kid. Like he would go and wrench on motors and, and he would, uh, you know, be in the trades and think like the, the shop classes and all that. And one day there was a, I don't, it wasn't a fight that broke out, but an altercation where this kid and another kid started like just, back and forth like a jock versus shop kid you know like almost like a movie yep. right where one starts saying well you're a piece of crap and you're you know well whatever and and this and then they like a one-on-one game of basketball came from this like who who thought that this was going to happen and dude this kid was wearing work boots jeans and a flannel shirt and dominated one of the best kids on our ba- on our basketball team, and this this kid's probably like five ten, and he was slamming dunks down in his work boots, and we're just like, what is going on here? So like this would have went viral if there was, you know, social media back then. Like this guy was doing oh, no some doubt. crazy stuff. So do you, that's a long way of asking. Do you ever see kids that? are like that, that you're just like, dude, you need to go out for some kind of sport. Oh, 100%. I mean, I teach at the high school here located in outside of uh, Penn State University. So, I mean, we have all walks of life from, you know, professor students to agricultural kids, to you name it. Uh, and no doubt about it, we have a, a bunch of kids like that. And it's, man, it's like, come on, like you are stronger than an ox. Like yeah. go play football, go push some kids downfield. And uh, we've over the years, I think we've had a bunch of good, you know, kids that really maybe did not play middle school football and just finally picked it up because they found that, you know, it's a good way to get some aggression out as well. Yeah, that farmer strength is a real thing. Oh, no doubt. A hundred percent. Yeah. Well, that's cool. And then you probably then you probably get to see the other side of it, because we had this kid growing up and he was just so much bigger, so much stronger, so much. I mean, even a little faster and just uh, like everybody wished they had this guy's genetic like makeup. Right. And then and then where does he go? He goes down the path of like drugs and smoking and, and then just kind of slowly drops out of, of sports. I'm, I'm sure you get to see that as well. Dude, it's, isn't it weird though? Like how, like the life a circle of, of life, uh, how that kind of always result, like it goes like that all the time. Like yeah. you see that all the time and you hear stories, like even when I was a, 
young kid growing up and you always hear like don't turn out to be like this guy and it's like you know i always say that wasted talent man it's it's unfortunate that mm-hmm. when you see that because there are there are some freaks out there that could have probably could have been playing on sundays or something else you never yeah. know yeah and then the last question i have about your your teaching job is this do you feel confident in the future of america <laughs> Oh man, uh, that's a tough one. I, <laughs> <laughs> at times I do, and at other times I'm just I shake my head, man. It's yeah. it's it's definitely it's definitely bizarre. It's a weird weird state, and I to go along with teaching phys ed, I also teach health, yeah. and I kind of be as real as I can with the students and give a lot of you know whether it be my personal experience and flip it of like how you know where where is the a successful failure, I guess you could say, and where other situations, I guess, could help you and down the line. And yeah, it's, it's definitely a challenge. And, and uh, for what the future holds, man, it's, it's, it's going to be interesting to see. And I think, you know, the parenting situations has to, you know, it's really comes down to that. Uh, you know, I really do think that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't, I don't know. This is just my personal opinion. You have like, I'm, I'm, I raise my boys and my girls different, right? I, and mm-hmm. this sounds different, but I, 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 I ride my boys. Like I ride them. Like, and I yep. mean like in, in a, in a way where stress, I, I apply stress to their life and hopefully mm-hmm. they are able to manage it and come out of that with whatever I've told them to do. And then I celebrate that, right? So, like for me, um, my uh, my boys, they'll throw their shoes off, and they they'll get scatterbrained, and they won't do multiple things. So I'll be like, "Hey, uh, can you please?" I always start off with, "Hey, uh, you know, please go put your shoes in your basket, or please go hang your coat up, please put your bags in your room, um, or pick up your rooms and things like that." And then they'll go, they'll do half a job, and then that's when I start to ride. Right. And then I apply mm-hmm. some, some pressure to their life or some stress to their life. And I honestly see it. I start seeing it working where they now start to do things. They, they don't want dad to ride their ass. So what mm-hmm. do they do? They do it right the first time. And, I, you know, it's not perfect every time, but they start to, you know, they're starting to get a learn. And man, I just I see so many parents being soft on their children and like trying to be their best friend and not their parent. And it's just like, I can, I, I was not raised like that. My parents were not raised like that. And I have a hard time getting behind any type of parenting where the kids are just straight coddled. Oh my gosh. I'm with you a hundred percent. Cause I only have one and I have a little girl and she's, she's eight. So she's in third grade. And yeah. my wife is kind of the, is I guess the softy and I come in as like the middle road like there's right. times where you know like you said if i have to ask you four time like by that fifth time like i'm not happy yeah. you know what i mean it's not that i'm i'm yelling but it's i'm trying to like you said hopefully you know the next time it it will just improve and it's it's fascinating to see because i have seen an, a huge growth in my daughter the last year uh and it's it's awesome to see that and whether it's outside social in activities and in school. So, you know, like, like I said earlier, we have my wife and I, we have a good yin and yang balance when it comes to parenting. Yeah. Okay. So last question, actually, I have one more question about, about school, you know, is it like if a kid is falls under the category of a bad kid, right. And he's just has no care. He doesn't care. He doesn't want to put in any effort. Maybe he talks back. He's you throw him under the naughty category, misbehaves, um, maybe even goes down the roads of while he's in high school, drugs, alcohol, things like that. Does that correlate with his parents? Like if you ever have to talk with a parent or other teachers have to talk with a parent and you see, or you can assume where the parents are, like that as well and then it just trickles down to their children um you know i would have i would have said maybe like my beginning of my teaching career i probably would have said yes now so i i just man it's so easy for these kids to get things especially where like i said living so close to the university like with everything so readily available to these just to anybody and everything whether it be drugs alcohol 
man, it's, it's like the thing to do. So I would have said, I would have said yes, you know, a hundred percent. And you still do see that. Don't get me wrong where, you know, the apple does not fall very far from the tree, but then there's also that, like how you were saying, like a sport athlete or just a really good kid, just, you know, you might see them next year and you're, you do a double take, like, Whoa, what happened to you since last year type of ordeal? So, yeah. 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 Again, parenting controls all that in my opinion. So yeah. Deer hunting. All right. Deer hunting, uh, man. You said I'm it's, with it. Yeah. You, you said it's been kind of a strange, a strange year for you. Um, let's just high level recap. How, how has your hunting season been thus far? Yeah. So, I mean, it, it, it has been good for the sole fact that for the first time in like a couple of years where almost every sit that I've been on, I had some sort of like encounter, have seen deer up in the tree, uh, finding more and better sign, I guess you could say, like as you're scouting and hunting at the same time. Yeah. And the bigger, like I finally have found the mature deer. Uh, that was, that's kind of like this up this past season, like leading up to it, I threw a lot of my eggs in really one basket. Like I had plan A, B, and C, but those, that plan A, B, and C was in the same general vicinity same mountain i guess you could say and that is about like two hours from where i live yeah um with me so like just to kind of give a little bit more context like i know in years the last four or five years i would probably say i've split 50 50 of scouting back at home and then where i live with my family which is in central pa and uh which is mainly all public land and this past season of of scouting i would say like you know january until august i really did not do a lot of scouting here uh and the reason why is what was a little bit of time and when i did put just because of coaching and doing things with the family and when i would get the time i just felt like back at home i had a better chance of seeing a more mature buck and and that that held true whether it was on public or on private so leading up to this season i had a bunch of different bucks kind of like going into opening day of kind of having a pattern. And I honestly, like my whole life, I never really had that chance to do that. So that was kind of a, an interesting aspect of like gearing up for the, of the year. Cause it was like, man, this could happen early on. Yeah. And when it, when it's normally I've been a rut hunter, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So when you get that information saying, Hey, it could happen early. Do you then start to think about like the logistics of this because you're a teacher, right? You only have Mm -hmm. so many days off uh, in a fall that you can use. Um, You know, you're probably a lot of, you know, a weekend warrior type guy at times. How do you go? How are you managing the actual time off versus what your trail cameras are telling you? Yeah. So I was really, really keying in on like those cold fronts um, and that's like that first weekend, I mean, that we opened up October 1st and that like with that Saturday. And I think leading up to that, it was a decent win to one of the spots that I was getting the buck like coming in. And then it's kind of switched like kind of right before, like that Thursday before. So I decided not to go in. I kind of hung around. I, I stayed more local on opening weekend and actually had, a, a, a some deer encounter in that evening. And then the following week, that seventh was a Friday, we actually had off of school that day. And I went in and in the morning I hunted uh, up on top of kind of like of this one of the mountain, like ridge point that I go back at home and hunt. And that, that's it. I've kind of went in on gray light and walking in, I actually walked over like a fresh, decent scrape. And I actually hung a, like a regular camera there just to kind of let it soak on the year. And that evening I knew where I wanted to go and was this uh, flat of where I scouted in the preseason. And really it just had all this thick cover coming together. And I found like a fresh, like I called it a double scrape because it's kind of like this hemlock tree on one side and that one had like a community scrape. And then on you know, I say community scrape just because of the way the trails all came together to it. And then yeah. on the double scrape, which, which was about a hundred mi- hundred yards away, 
uh, it came from this real thick, nasty bedding, and I threw a camera up, and that's where I was getting the mo- most of the, the patterning of these deer. So I went in that evening, like super early at like one o'clock, because I know I would probably bust deer out if I hunted that in the morning. So I got in super early that evening. I got set up, and I had about an hour and fifteen minutes to go, and just I, I felt good about the spot, and I had some deer come in. And a doe came in about like 30 yards, a good shot opportunity presented itself. I took this shot just because she started, I think she winded me. And I was like, man, I still have like 50 minutes. I don't want her to blow up this spot on me. And, you know, all happy, trigger happy that I got. I drew back. I settled the pin on her. I took my time. I sent an arrow and like arrow flight looked good. The penetration did not. And I saw it hit her like really hard. And I hit her maybe a little bit forward and the whole basically arrow was sticking out, which I was kind of shocked by. Um, And she took off running, blazing. And so I was like, okay, well, let's see if I find blood at like when I get down later on this evening, I know exactly where, where the impact was. And the rest of that night, I had like a small four point that I kept getting on camera uh, come through like right outside of the one bedding source. And when I got down, I did not see any blood and, uh, so I kind of backtracked out of there the next morning, which was Saturday. Then I went in there with my dad. He helped me kind of look around. We did not see any, any, we did not find my arrow. We did not find any other like trace of, of blood. Yeah. Good news is we didn't kick, good news is we didn't kick anything up that morning. Uh, so I was really happy about that just because again of the deer that we were getting on camera in the evenings there. Uh, so I backed out of there that, that midday basically uh, kind of frustrated on that on that situation just because I thought I tucked I thought I would have at least blown through the scap but man I I was shocked with like the no penetration that I got yeah um, what was the issue you think so and then that eve honestly I I I don't know I mean I was using a fixed blade I was using a 480 grain arrow I'm I'm shooting a 70 pound you know PSE XF 30 uh, I just I don't know if she moved her leg more forward and I just did not. I mean, if I was a betting man, I would have said I've got like three inches of penetration. Yeah. I mean, that whole arrow was sticking out. Like I was, I couldn't believe it when she ran off and I saw the whole arrow sticking out of her. And that's crazy because uh, you described your arrow weight, fixed blade, 480. Mm -hmm. That's a... I mean, that's a fairly heavy arrow, and with a fixed-blade broadhead, penetration shouldn't be an issue. Are you right. – and you're shooting 70 pounds? Yep. 70 pounds. Yeah, so you calculate that. That's going through a deer, especially a doe. Right. right. So, right, exactly. Huh, that's very strange. I wonder, did you hit ball joint, or I guess there's not a – is there a ball joint in the front of a deer? I don't think so. <sighs> I don't, I don't think so. I don't know. I, and that's like the one time where I wish like I did have my camera set up, but like, I'm so like when I've got to stop taking camera gear with me because I take yeah, it in and then like when the, and then like when the heat of the moment comes, I always, I'm like, I get in like kill mode and I can yeah. care less about the camera. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but yeah, so like that evening I, I got set up, uh, on down on a, like a, kind of like where my dad would kind of rifle hunts a little bit. It's just going down a bunch of ridge points. And what and day was this? What, what, what this day was, was this, this at this point was October 8th. Okay. So I got some questions here for you before we get into that particular yep. hunt, right? You, yep. you, you said you were trying to focus on these, some cold fronts that were coming through. Okay. And yep. you have some yep. trail camera data out. Yep. Was the trail camera data, that you were getting from these trail cameras showing you daylight movement early on in the season. Yes. Okay. Okay. So there's your indicator, right? Um, in the yep. past, in the past for me, an early mm-hmm. season, cold, cold front, you know, people get all hyped about them, but more times than not deer still don't move early, even in a, even a big cold front unless there's just a ton of precipitation with the, and this is my experience. I'm not saying this is law, uh, unless there's right. a, a ton of precipitation with the front moving through. And then once it stops raining, they get on their feet. I, I, so I have had to train myself over the years to say, 
man, ooh, cold front's coming through, big whoop, right? And I just stay home. I don't want to go in and booger mm-hmm. up the areas. And so I wait for, and just like you, I wait for the good time of year, which is that late October, early November, you know, the the mm-hmm. rut time frame. So pre-rut, rut time frame. So, but you actually had intel saying that there's day, there's daylight movement and you go in and, and you try to, uh, uh, you know, that, that tells you, that's your indicator, move in, try to yep. kill, right? So, um, yep. so then when, when you get that indicator, let me ask you a question. Uh, this is where I have a issue. If I want to, okay. like, this is not, it's not an issue, but this is where I talk myself out of shooting does a lot of times early season or any time really, because I'm making my decision to hunt based off of mature buck uh, intel. But then I go in and I say, you know, like <laughs> I, I talk myself out of shooting a doe because all I want to do is, you know, like I'm just like, well, the, this buck sh- could show up. A buck could show up and, and maybe it happens. Maybe it doesn't. Um, why are you making the decision to shoot a doe in this time when you're, you're, goal or when you're making your decision based off of buck activity yeah that's a great question dan and that's something i guess for me i think i've i'm all i always i guess i contradict myself when i say like you know finally i I found like that mature buck but i think i'm at still like at 35 years old i still want to shoot deer yes. do you know what i mean like yep, it's like absolutely. it's like one of the like like being like you said like being a school teacher um you know it, that was like my first sit in that spot like i know it's a good area and i know you know i kind of looked at it like i could also get on that other side of that thick bedding area um you know what i mean so i had i kind i guess i kind of had like different scenarios and i in the heat of the moment I talked myself into shooting that doe when in reality I, I did not want to shoot that doe going in. Like yeah. I was going in shooting that buck and then that, that opportunity presented itself and I was like, Oh crap. All right. You know, like I said, I just kind of me wanting to get an opportunity, maybe put something down and get that one under my belt for the year. And uh, that was kind of, I guess my, my logic behind it. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So, um, you had your, you went out, you know, you shot the doe, couldn't find it. Um, you, you make a move to a a new location. Uh, talk to us a little bit about the, the like specific terrain features that you're focusing on, uh, this time of year and you know, what the success rate is like for you in these locations. Yeah. So at this point I actually found, uh, the, side of the mountain that my dad and I usually hunt on, uh, there's a lot of uh, ridge points and oak flats that kind of are very, very close together. And I had the opportunity to find a good oak tree that was getting hammered uh, and set up a camera and was watching how the deer were coming in and moving. And that evening I had a bunch of doe come in. I had a bunch of young bucks come in. I had a nice half rack come in who I think I've seen like 10 times this year. <laughs> it seemed like every time I saw a nice uh, left side coming in, net and hole and behold, that right side was, was non-existent. But um, my dad has had success and I have had success in, the, in this, in these locations uh, over the years, pretty, pretty good. And um, you know, as the month of October progressed, there was one, one Tuesday that I think we got a cold front. And I believe I want to say that was like the 20, let me see. I could pull that up real quick. It was the October 18th. So October 18th, we had a, a real big uh, cold front moving in and it was 36 in the AM and it was 53 in the PM. And overall, like the day drop, it was like a 10 to 15 degree drop from the previous couple of days. Um, and this day was kind of, I was on the outskirt of some oak trees and I was on the outskirt of a couple scrapes. And I really keyed on scrapes this past year, uh, as well as kind of figuring out how the deer up there were, were using them, setting up some mock scrapes as well, and getting like the camera intel and seeing like when these deer were moving. And at this point, I had three i wrote i just wrote down i had three encounters all two with the 
Uh, one was with a half rack, one was with a, a shootable six, and one was a young uh, four point. And I had a couple doe encounters that day. So good deer movement uh, during that that day. And then for me, honestly, it didn't get heaty, heating up again until like Halloween weekend. Okay. All right. So you saw some deer movement. Now tell, you know, it, it's everything in every state and every part of the state is different, right? So even in Iowa, Southern Iowa, the Mecca of all whitetail mm-hmm. in, in the world, I'm, I'm lucky enough to hunt there, right? Um, then we have Northwest Iowa, which is different. It's all ag ground, not a lot of cover. It's like just hunting up there is different. And then we have states like, you know, Michigan, where everybody says it's dog shit right? Unless you're mm-hmm. really working. Pennsylvania falls in that category too, depending on how much time and mm-hmm. energy you want to put into, into it. But you know, all you hear is people complain. So mm-hmm. for you, what do you consider or what is your goal every year when now or at the beginning of this year, or does it, as far as a buck is concerned, or does it kind of, is it a floating scale based off of the Intel you have from cameras? Honestly, I would say it's a floating scale. I mean, like I said, like I'm, I'm, I'm hunting big woods. I'm hunting, uh, no ag deer. Like if, if a deer hits an ag field where I'm hunting, they're traveling a far way to hit that. Um, and at the same time, I would say like, depending on the Intel, like this past year, like I sent you a photo of a nice buck and actually the last couple of days, as we're sitting here on, on November 21st, I've recently have had three new like decent bucks come through like in that 110 plus class um you know which which you know for a mountain deer where i grew up in the in the coal region like that's a good buck now don't get me wrong over the last two plus years my dad and i have had the opportunity of getting some really nice you know big buck on camera mature deer and uh man they're frigging ghosts though like trying to figure them out is they'll keep you up all 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 night seven days a week and uh you know this past year uh, you know, I'll get to it, but I did, uh, over the weekend before our last weekend, I did have an encounter with the buck I was after. Um, and he, I'm, I'm not good at scoring, but I would say he's in a one forty class for sure. Yep. Uh, um, and, uh, yeah, it was, it was, you know, pretty neat. And I would say for, for me, honestly, if it is a out past the years, at least, uh, you know, an A point with maybe something broken off. Like, don't get me wrong. I'll, I'll shoot that note like every day a week, yeah. but as long, as long as it get gets the hump, the heart pumping, you know, I'll, I'm for that. But I do know there are opportunities up there for me that, that I could get a chance to crack at a nice uh, mature buck. Cool. Awesome. All right. But it sounds to me like it's tough to, yeah. to, oh, yeah. to get that. It, yeah. Yeah, you know, and it's it's tough too to like. I'll say like leading up to that season, like how I was going back to earlier of of, of pattering a buck, it was like that bed to feed, and I knew exactly where he was hitting that scrape and everything. And then like once the season picked up, not necessarily saying there was a lot of pressure there, because uh, I didn't, I've yet to get a, a human on camera, but it's man it, it is uh you definitely saw a shift and that buck instead of coming either every day or every other day went to like once a week twice a week then it was only at 4 a.m 3 a.m type of ordeal and then it started to pick back up as you know quote unquote scrape week was was coming uh about yeah okay so now we have uh you're coming up on this halloween time frame you said it kind of slowed yep. down in in between that uh that initial uh i guess warm spell and what i mean like uh yep. your your trail cameras were on fire and then yep. halloween comes um as halloween starts coming now we're talking pre rut what what have you what were you seeing at that point so up up to this point uh leading into the year i took a personal day off on the 27th cuz it was like an in service day and so uh, the first fawn that I had on camera dating back in like June or whatever, or May, I, it dated back to that Halloween weekend. So I was like, you know what? That's an in-service day. I'll take one of those days off. I could hunt Friday, Saturday. I would love to have a back-to-back day, uh, up on that, up on the mountain. So that's what I did. And on, 
October 27th, I received a picture of a pie ball that my dad and I each had on camera the year prior. And last year he was, I think like a seven. Uh, This year he was at, he's at least a nine. Um, And he was gauging off the picture. He looked decent. He he definitely blew up from last year, but it wasn't like crazy. Right. Um, But it was such a really cool deer, beautiful buck. So leading into this week, like that specific weekend, that Saturday looked awesome. And Friday I went in with my dad and his camera, uh, and again, like kind of in his rifle area, he had some good trails going. The uh, acorns were, were still like kind of on the ground. And I went on, on this one path that I kind of hunted on earlier in the year and saw a couple of deer the way they were moving in, down in that spot. So I got in there and from, you know, dark to dark, I sat there just because you never know in that opportunity. And my dad kind of likes to do that as well. And I only saw one deer that night, that whole day. And on our way back, walking up the mountain to get to our vehicles and stuff, uh, we kicked out a doe bedded with a buck. And I I marked it where I, uh, on my map, exactly where it was. And I have marked that spot before because I've seen deer kind of maneuver uh, crossing this kind of quad track, two two track road there. And I was kind of a light bulb went off for me. And the next day, my dad asked me like where I was going hunting because he was going to go to the Penn State, Ohio State game with my sister. And I stayed in the hunt. And I said, you know what? I think I'm going to go all the way to the bottom spot that I've had pretty good success at. I haven't had the opportunity to hunt it yet this year. I need to fix some cameras. So maybe in that morning, that's my game plan. Because sometimes those bucks like to walk up the mountain, walk caddy corner, Uh, from this like kind of swamp area. So I said, that's where I'm going to go. And uh, as I was driving to the location, my dad called me and just said, Hey, I know if, if Byron Horton's listening, he's going to probably crucify me for this. But (laughs) he, he, uh, my dad said, Hey, like your brother's area uh, had a couple of deer on camera last night, like decent bucks, like nothing crazy. He said, you know, like one of them might have been legal, but, you know, just they're moving on that side. I said, okay. So right then and there, I made the decision. I'm going to go where I kicked that buck up with that was bedded with that doe. And I hung a tree, never been in that spot. I hung up my saddle and in gray light, I had a doe like 15 yards. She kind of, the wind was swirling a little bit. Like she blew out of there. And I was like, all right, well, let's see what else happens. And as soon as day broke behind me, here comes that half rack. He starts like breaking a tree, making a scrape, like just doing awesome, fun, you know, buck stuff that you love to watch like while you're in the woods. And he works by, and then I had a badger come through and like bump a buck that was on the other side of the two track that I could see like easily. And he starts running down. I'm like, Holy cow. I hope that deer, circles through because i saw a really nice rack on them and a doe came through like a little fawn and then all down from the next like point that i could see i saw a buck and i grunted to him and he came on a string dan and here was the pie bulb oh boy and as he's working his way up man he is way past his ears he's a lot bigger in person and i was hoping the deer was going to hit on this like trail that the other buck was on that I could see. So I stayed in my strong position instead of like turning to put my back to the tree to do a weak side shot. And he's coming in, he's coming in and he stays on that weak side. And I did not want to move because he's looking up at me and he's grunting. It was awesome to hear. And he starts to make his way left towards that trail, which I was pumped about and I was getting ready to draw back and he got behind this two, like a, uh, you know, like a, a big tree that had like two big, uh, bases coming out of it. And as he hits that, I draw back and he makes a step and all I can see is his head. And he kind of like just turns my way for like five, six seconds and does like a quick bound. And I was like, crap. Okay. And he got behind, got behind some thick stuff. I, I like quietly let down. He's still walking kind of quick at this point. I do a quick range. 
I hit 35 yards. I turn my dial to where it needs to be uh, only a little bit because I was going to use my bottom pin. And then next thing you know, it as soon as I draw back, I tried to stop him because it would have been a hard quartering away shot. And on the second mouth call to stop him, he took off. Oh, so and he didn't like the he didn't yep. like what you you did. Yep, he didn't like what I did, and on that second mouth call, he he took off, and uh, I watched him go, and man, he kind of just like walked away, and I let him go for a few minutes, and I tried to do another like kind of like a grunt call to come like snort a wheeze at him, and he didn't want anything of it, and he yeah. never came back, and but man, what a what an encounter! I mean, for me, that was, you know, I look back on it, it's like could I've done the weak side shot? I I don't know. You know what I mean? Like he was yeah. going to, if he, all, all I needed was one more step and it would have been like a 14 yard poke. Yeah. You know, that's oh. just, so, how, yeah. You look back at a scenario like that, right? <laughs> like, I don't know how many times I, you know, I've been hunting, bow hunting serious since 2006, but even before that, when I was even just out in the woods, bow hunting, how many times I needed a deer to take a step <laughs> So I could shoot it. Right. It just, yep. I don't know. I, I look at scenarios like that and of all the times a, a guy can get frustrated, it's just like, man, one step is all I needed or, or I needed him to uh, just angle a, a little bit more or, and that's the thing I, I don't know me, I love about it is because you, there's certain things that you can't control when it comes to both. Exactly. Hunting. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So this, this morning is just bananas. So this yeah. is October 29th and, uh, this deer, this encounter happened about like eight forty, And I want to say by 10 o'clock, I had my last encounter with a, like a little, I had another doe come through and I had a spiker come through. So at this point, my dad, he's like freaking out and he sends me a picture uh, from about like gray light. Cause he finally had a chance to check it. Cause he was at the Penn state game and it was the real big nine point from last year. That is now a 10 point that we had on camera worked past his, his area that exactly where I was the day before. So it was like one of those things was like, up, oh, you know, it was a day, a day too early basically for, for that big buck. But at the same time it was like, okay, we know we're in the area where we're, we're on them. And I started to, you know, put, I decided to stay there all day instead of get down and go to the bottom. And I started to watch the Penn State game and I was just sitting there. I put the recliner on and all of a sudden up on top about like 80, 90 yards in the thicket, it sounds like there's trees falling down all around up there. I'm like, what the heck is going on up there? So I loosened my back strap. My phone's in my backpack at this point in time and my bow's in my hand and I do a grunt call and I see some deer movement. And then all of a sudden about 40 yards going Mach 10 to my uh, left side is where the half rack came in earlier on this like trail that was above me a little bit is this doe running for her life. And behind her is a shooter. I would, I think he was an eight. A shooter eight behind him about four yards was another decent buck behind that one. About four yards was like a little forker. And then behind that forker about, I don't know, seven yards was a little button buck. And they were chasing this, this doe grunting their, their tails off. And I'm going, Hey, Hey, trying to stop them. I was at full draw and they were just mock 10 going right by oh, me. Oh man. Again, that sucks. Yep. I, had, I had to go through that in South Dakota this year where, <sighs> I was watch. I, I I had bumped a couple mule deer uh, bucks, and they mm-hmm. they were going. They were going to walk right down this this river. Uh, this I don't know this terrain feature along this river. So I ended up backing up away from them, looping all the way around, and then just sitting and waiting for them to naturally come through. And they did exactly that. And I'm watching them, and then some does across the river spooked when a guy 
drove his truck into a, a property to work on a, a pivot and that spooked it was like a chain reaction so they didn't get spooked by the truck but they got spooked by the deer who were spooked by the truck and so they i was at full draw and they ran by and i was like hey 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 and they didn't stop and, mm-hmm. and then by the mm-hmm. time that they did stop it was like 80 yards and i don't take that <laughs> shot so <laughs> that's that's pretty that's pretty frustrating man yeah it was frustrating but it was like I don't know. Like, it's like one of those days where you like up until this point, like I saw maybe like 11, 12 deer, yeah. you know what I mean? And like up on a mountain like that, man, it was, I don't know how many times, like I said, maybe in years past, like I'd, I would drive two hours and not see a deer. You know, you come home to my wife and daughter and like, what'd you see? And I'm like, nothing. And they're like, you got to quit hunting. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> you know, so like that day, you know, but it's funny that it's like, you come home and my wife's like, would you see 11 deer? Yeah. Why didn't you shoot one? You know, yeah. it's, it's, you can't win. But uh, yeah. So, and then after that, man, it, the, I mean, I think a lot of people know that heat wave came, Oh yeah. you know? And so I didn't get out much those first early couple of days of November. Um, as far as like my camera intel during this time frame, it was if I was getting a buck on camera, it was at night. Um, so it was kind of it, I I didn't go in until like I had another day off that I had a personal day off, which would have been Monday the fourteenth, because um, that Friday the I think it was the eleventh. I originally had it and. I decided it was pouring all day. I just figured, hey, I'm gonna, I'll go in that night to to stay at my dad's house, hunt all day Saturday, Sunday, Monday, yeah. and uh, that's that Saturday. Uh, my the game plan was because my dad was off and we were gonna hunt together this week, these three days. I said to him, I said, hey, we haven't been into that bottom area where we were getting kind of like that pattern that buck at and the buck that I was kind of after. I said, why don't we go down there in the morning? Now that it's the rut, we might be able to, if we kick a doe or something, like, that's okay. Let's just get set up. Like, I'll put you on the community scrape. I'll go to the double scrape, and let's see what happens. So, and I said, especially after the rain, maybe those bucks will want to hit, refresh those scrapes up. Like, you never know. Yeah. So, that's what we did, and it was about 9 o'clock, and up until this point, I – like something caught my eye. I see three doe moving and I see like a little young buck pushing them. I was like, okay, like great. And I, like I messaged my dad, I said, you know, you know, uh, some deer movements going on and it was, it was okay. It wasn't like too cold. Like it definitely was warmer than what they were calling for. Um, but after this rain, I was, I was, I was still excited and I had someone now this is part of our like public piece it's next to like the private piece that we have access so this is actually public and down below on this mountain i hear someone far far away yelling and i'm like you've got to be kidding me like what the heck's this guy doing randomly and as the hour progressed it got louder and louder and at one point he's still a couple hundred yards away he he's just yelling like yo as if he's doing a drive and there's no other kind of nothing else was in season at this point. Um, like bear was already over for archery. Um, you know, I, I don't know what else someone would be doing unless they're just lost and afraid of bears. And as I'm sitting there, I hear quick rustling, like coming close. And I didn't hear for, from a very long, like far distance. It was close. And all I see is the big white rack coming through that thicket exactly where, I was anticipating a buck to come out of. And this buck is the buck I was after. Uh, he stops about 50 yards on the dot and just too far of a shot that I'm taking in, in the big woods like that. Yeah. And he just stops on a dime. Like, of course he's, you know, 20 yards away from the double scrape, which is 20 yards in front of me. And he decides to like make a beeline to my left and I stopped him with a grunt call and I snort wheeze just to see maybe that would pique his interest a little bit and nothing did. He kind of moseyed like slow walked his way, like all the way to the other side of this thick area and like in came like a, a spike buck. But, and then about like, I don't know, half 20 minutes later, that guy yelling was super, super close. Like I'm talking within 50 yards. I did not see him. Cause he was, 
I think on the other side of the thicket, but, but um, somebody was yelling, but someone was yelling and then someone bumped that buck, like basically to me and, uh, blew up that whole, blew up that whole hunt. What was this person doing? Was it another hunter? And why, why do you think they were yelling? Honestly, I don't know. Like I, like I said, nothing else. It was in season and just like, it was just one person. Like it wasn't like it was a yo. And then maybe two minutes later, another yo would be close by or something. Like it was one single person yelling, um, walking through. Like I, I have no idea. Like you don't think it was a guy going in there trying to spook deer. So no one else had success. It could have been, huh. I, I mean, I mean, and uh, who, who knows? So at, at that point, like I was pretty deflated cause it was the buck I was after, you know, I know he was close by. Yeah. Um, because I had, I, like, I checked the trail camera, um, that I had down in there, like kind of close that I shifted. It wasn't a cell camera. It was a normal one. And I checked it that morning and he was in there like two days prior, like, coming right at last light. So I was like, who knows? I might get a chance at him and he's, you know, he's nearby. Um, but yeah, so that was my, my Saturday. And then Sunday, uh, kind of sucked because it was, it was the windiest day of the year. I know certain, and my, my luck man for, for what I've seen, I don't know what your luck is. I would actually love to pick your brain on this because when I get a certain miles per hour up there, I get no movement, like none. Yeah. It's tough. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, Really windy days are, statistically, they say, there's been research done that, uh, and I think it's in excess of 25 miles an hour. So the the windier it is, uh, like, past a certain point. So let's just say from zero to 25, there's no real increase in deer movement. The windier it gets like from, from 20 to 25 or from 15 to 25, there's no, but I think if it's like 25 or 30 research shows that more deer get on their feet in, in high, high winds, if that makes okay. sense. Now, I don't know. Yep. Um, I've yep. never really had it. Like I I've never really hunted in my opinion, enough windy days to say, okay, um, you know, it's uh, it, it's more or less. But what I can tell you is, I definitely take advantage of windy days to get into some of the best possible spots that I can. That may be tricky access, or even mm-hmm. to tear a set down and put a set up. Yep, yep. So that that's kind of like what my dad and I did that Sunday. Like we hunted until about like one o'clock and we did not see really any movement at that point in time. And that's when I said, Hey, I need to go down. I need to like, I have two other normal cameras down below that I know need battery change, check memory cards on it. So that's what like I did. I kind of made some mock scrapes to kind of set me up for either like the next day or for like the time frame now, which is going to be coming up for us is like the rifle season. So that's like what I did that afternoon. And then Monday, Monday was like, was chaotic. Like Monday, like the rut was like kicking off again. Uh, just, I was in the right area, just not in the right spot. So I had like deer encounters, like all day, decent bucks, like none of the, none of the big mature bucks that we either had on camera or already have seen. Um, so I kind of told myself, do not shoot that half rack <laughs> like three times that day. And, um, so that kind of led me into like my last big, big hunt back at home until this upcoming weekend for, for rifle season. Gotcha. Gotcha. And so it sounds to me like it's been a lot of close, but no cigar type scenarios. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. So man, that's tough to even ask the question. What would you do? have done different, right? Because you've had the opportunities right that the deer have been within shooting range you can't control some guy coming through yelling right and things like that but (laughs) if you were gonna do try to do something different would you have done anything different you know honestly what i would have done different would have been i probably would have not taken the that one nice cold front day off like in like what what I say was like the 22nd, I believe it was, um, uh, of October to 18th. I think it was the, yeah, the 18th off. 
instead of taking that day, I would have saved it for another day in November. Um, just because like, kind of like going off of what you even said earlier, like kind of, you know, even though it's a cold front, you know, I, I guess I get caught up of like when I have people on the podcast and they just, you know, they, they talk about their experience with the cold fronts and everything like that, you know, you get excited and um, man, it's, it seems like too, for me, as far as like the camera, like I really can't wait to pull my non uh, cell cameras data just yeah. at the end of the season because it seems like that second day of the cold front is the day you know what i mean like it seems yeah. like if i was in on the 18th man that 19th that wednesday it was like on fire <laughs> type of ordeal yeah. um so and that's where like again it kind of being a teacher where if i would take that that tuesday off that was my my quote-unquote easier day for a substitute you know what I mean? Like in like that Wednesday would have been a lot more difficult planning and that type of stuff. So, um, but yeah, I don't know, like as far as like the, in, in the moments, in those scenarios, man, that, that piebald buck, I wish I would have probably turned to a weak side shot sooner. Yeah. I, I like it. I like knowing, like I had enough time watching him walk up that if, if he was staying on that straight line, like he did, I should have just, turned swiveled around put my back to the tree and you know had a had a weak side shot rather than try to ha like hope that he goes away he was eventually going to go yeah uh phew. that's tough man right and then you're you're you're, <laughs> you're at uh the mercy of the conditions you're at you're at the that's the most yep. that's the that's the worst is when you yep. have uh here check this out 11 11 november 11th 2011 this sounds weird was the best day in the uh in the hunting or in a tree for me ever um, yep and so i had a day where a hot doe came through pulled four shooters then uh four four-year-olds or over shooters with it a handful of you know, spikes came through that day as well. And at last light, there was just this giant 170 typical 10 with bleach white antlers. I can remember right under, uh. like right underneath me with no shot, all came through all chasing the doe. I tried to stop them. Um, they didn't, they didn't listen to me. Um, I passed a really good eight pointer on that same set and uh, just, it sucked because the deer were there, but there was nothing that you could do about it. And, um, and so it's hard to, it's, it's, it's the most frustrating, but the hardest to look at and dissect, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. No doubt about it. So, yep. so, so now the, now are you, you're in gun season there now, right now? So, so gun season opens up the, the weekend of uh, Thanksgiving, which I think is what, like the 20s, what is, what's that Saturday, 27th, 28th yeah. is a Saturday, Sunday. Um, so we have, that's, uh, we are able to hunt on Sunday, which is nice. Um, that's one of the four, I think we get this year, one of three or whatever it is. And um, yeah, so I'll be going back at home with my dad and that, that Saturday will be, will and Sunday we'll have have the rifles out and go from there. I, there are like, I do a lot of late season, uh, the second archery season here, like once the day after Christmas happens, I've, I have a tag or two that are in the, uh, five C unit, which is like closer to Philadelphia area. And I have some friends that have property and, um, there's a bunch of public land down by my sister as well. So I figured, you know, I'll be during my, my holiday break. I'm going to try to get some, uh, fill the freezer during that time as well. And I have a nice little honey hole that uh, holds some, some does up in where I live as well that I've had success the last like four years of getting a late season doe on as well. Yeah. Awesome. Well, um, good luck the rest of the season. Hopefully uh, they stop this time when they're in front of you, <laughs> yeah. right? Or, or, I know. Yeah. or well, when they do stop, it's not in front of a tree. Yeah, exactly. Now, you know, like I said, now it's like, you know, they always say now's the time you have the equalizer out there with the, with the rifle. And I mean, I don't get me wrong. I do enjoy going out with the rifle because of the tradition type stuff, but man, I, I'm a passionate bow hunter. Um, you know, even a couple of years ago, I during this time frame when my dad would have this gun, I was still go, I was taking the bow out, but 
um, you know, I don't know. I'm excited. Like I said to you a little bit earlier, we've the last three days, we've gotten three different bucks on camera that we have yet to uh, have seen earlier in this year. So uh, I don't know if there's like this, you know, if a young doe's in an estrus now or finally coming in or something, I don't know. But um, they're like today, my one camera was just like on fire. And it's like I I was lucky to get like a deer uh, in that spot, like all, you know, maybe once a day or once every couple of days. And today I had like, 20 pictures so it's just nuts so awesome um yeah man well it tells you they're still out there doing their thing right yep exactly so i'm excited for rifle no doubt about it yeah well good luck i'm sending good vibes your way uh like i said hopefully they stop and and, uh i mean in a way you're you're having a good season and like you said in you know it's uh it's a successful season without killing anything and uh those are the toughest ones to accept, but at least you're saying, "Hey, I, I've I've found success in my setup. Now all I have to do is just, you know, get them to do the next execute. step. Execute exactly, <laughs> exactly. Yep. Well, hey, Jeremy, yep. man, I, I know you got to get back at it, uh, molding the youth of America, and uh, <laughs> uh, so uh, good luck the rest of the season, man. Thank you, Dan. I appreciate it. It's an honor to to be a part of the Sportsman's Empire and and to you know to do this. I appreciate it. And there we have it. Another episode in the books. Huge shout out to Jeremy. Man, I'm sending good vibes your way. Hopefully you connect during gun season or the late season. Uh, Huge shout out to Tethered, Wasp, HuntStand, and Vortex. Please go out and support the companies that support this podcast. At least go to their website. Take a look at what they're offering. And then uh, if you like what you see, pick something up. And then, uh, you know, go to iTunes, leave a five-star review. That would be very helpful. And uh, wear your damn safety harness. Wear your blaze orange. Be careful. Be safe out there. There's still a lot of hunting season left, so don't get discouraged if you're st- if you're starting to struggle. Okay, and uh, just know that there's time to make corrections. There's time to go out and get it done. And uh, so I'm sending good vibes your way. Good luck, and we'll talk to you next time.